everybody, and welcome to another exciting DFS strategy session for Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today. I am your host, Keith Cork, and I am joined for this strategy session, which is strategy session number three, uh, which we're going to cover projecting ownership for you guys. I am happy to be joined here by Mr. Stan Sun of the Athletic, DraftKings, Razzball, contributor all around for many different fantasy sports balls <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and, a, and a good friend because he, you know, uh, Stan and I, we're actually, <laughs> Stan and I are actually in, uh, uh, one of the most unique fantasy basketball leagues I've ever played in, which I'm really enjoying, by the way. Thank you for setting it up. But it's the Raz Ball and uh, well, we, we met through Raz Ball, obviously, but yeah. uh, Dynasty League, with which is also auction salary. And it's also roto, but it's also head to head. We've got you know, <laughs> regular season standings. We yeah. got yeah, it's, it's got everything, man. It's a big, big experiment. But anyways, well, uh, how are you, Stan? How are you, son? And you know, how have you been? Let me, you know, let me have you introduce yourself to uh, the listeners of, of DFS today and uh, tell us a little bit about your history, you know, DFS and basketball. No, I'm uh, very honored to be on this. Uh, three, three is a good number. It's a holy trinity. So, um, you know, it's a I guess I am blessed to be on on the third edition. Um, yeah, man. No, I'm, I'm always humbled. You know, we've we've done a few pods in the past. It's always a blast. Um, you know, we met through Razzball, and then uh, from there it just kind of exploded. I'm really happy to see kind of you spreading your wings, right? Going over Sportitos. I know you're doing a, a couple of other stuff. So, um, yeah, man, it's really good to see it. So, you know, continue doing what you're doing and, and good stuff out there. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, and, you know, I, I've always uh, been a follower of you for like, you know, good, getting good details about uh, basketball and about, you know, different DFS stuff and stuff like that. So uh, always, always a good follow, Mr. Stanson. If you can find him on Twitter, uh, give him a follow. We'll, we'll hit that at the end, though. Give people a chance to find you out there. But hey, man, let's get down to it, man. Let's just All talk right. about DFS. So, you know, we want to talk about projecting ownership. So, like, you know. I guess for me, you know, what just kind of a general question just to kind of get us, you know, kicked off here is, uh, you know, how I mean, the easiest one is <laughs> the, the very simple one at the top of my mind is how do you go about doing that? I mean, do you use different tools to project ownership? Uh, do you just kind of look at previous ownership? You know, uh, personally, how, how do you handle figuring out who's going to be the most owned you know, star on a slate? Yeah, so I think usually, um, you know, I mean, I keep track of, you know, daily box scores and I try to watch as much games as I can. So I kind of have like a general pulse uh, on things. And then obviously, uh, when you look through uh, kind of the prior days contests, uh, you know, you'll look at all the numbers. So right there, that kind of gives you a foundation and a base. Uh, and then, you know, looking at the next day slate or the day slate, uh, you know, looking at Vegas numbers, I think that's probably the easiest one because, uh, most people look at that anyways, you know, which game has the highest total, things like that. And then uh, probably injuries. Injuries probably the biggest one. You know, obviously, if a guy's out, uh, you know, his replacement, you know, most people flock to there, right? That's, that, yeah. that's probably the easiest one. Um, and then I think it's just, you know, a lot of the game is pattern recognition, yeah. um, right? So um, things that you've seen or how things have happened in the past, uh, you know, like the big disclaimer is, uh, you know, past results are not indicative of future results, right? Yeah, but right. at the same time, uh, a lot of people do use that. You know, there's a reason why there's recency bias, and there's a reason why certain things uh, kind of history repeating itself. So that yeah. kind of gives a, a, a gauge. I, you know, I do think that a lot of players are getting a lot smarter, a lot sharper. Uh, so from then, from there, um, 
you know, I have access to like Fantasy Labs tools, so I'll kind of mm-hmm. like look at them, and uh, that's mainly just to see if I miss anything uh, mm-hmm. and to see if I'm like off on anything. But I think most of it is, yeah. So Vegas injuries, and then just kind of experience, right? Like, yeah. like you'll see uh, how certain situations play out in the past, and then you, more often than not. <laughs> Uh, it usually repl- it usually replicates itself. So, and it, it's interesting. I mean, I think you're totally right, though, uh, Sam. Because you know, I played DFS on FanDuel for like I don't know what five six years. Like it's however long it's been around. Basically, I started mm-hmm. playing it right when it was there, and I sucked those first years, man. Like I just I was paying for my education because like I did not know what the hell I was doing, and like always got to pay I, tuition. Yeah, yeah I don't. I don't think anyone that's just starting out, like if you're just starting out DFS, you, you found this podcast. First of all, welcome, welcome to this hellscape. Uh, we're gonna go, we're gonna try to navigate it together. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I think you're gonna suck for a while. I think it's gonna be one of those things where you have to do a little bit of trial and error, and you have to learn some things. And it is really much, very much pattern recognition. You know, yeah. uh, you know, if A and if A happens, most people are gonna flock to B. And do I want to do B or do I want to do C? And to get to that point. You just have to take your lumps, you know, or you have to either hit or take your lumps, I guess. You could get lucky and, and hit, and then, you know, okay, I'm going to do this again next time. Um, but, no, I think that's totally right, though. You know, I think one of the biggest fallacies, especially with new players and what I was doing a lot in my first few years was, you know, waiting until that injury news drops close to the tip and saying, oh, my gosh, this guy is going to get, you know, 30 minutes as opposed to this guy that was already playing 30 minutes. And, obviously, that's a lot because, obviously, that guy's way underpriced. And that's not always the case. I mean, just because a guy gets 30 minutes or 25 minutes or, or whatever it is, that doesn't mean he's going to hit, you know, value for you on DFS. It's not a guarantee. It's not a given. You have to see, you know, hopefully there's a, a info available about what they did in the past with that, with that situation. But if there's not info available for that, you have to just kind of be familiar with the team. Like you said, you have to watch these games. You have to understand. Uh, one of the things I do, obviously, that uh, I've suggested to people is following beat writers on Twitter because they are you know, locked into the team. They know who's going to step in, who's looking good in camp, who's, uh, you know, who the coaching staff has confidence in. That's a big thing, too. So, like, you know, stuff like that does help. Um, but really the thing that helps the most is what you said is, is just watching those games and understanding, you know, this guy looks good in this situation. This guy looks good in this kind of game. And this is that kind of game. And you don't re- recognize, you know, is this a running again game? Is this a slow down, play half court style game? Unless you really are familiar with those teams. So, but so let me t- talk to me a little bit about, you know, the replacement players. And, you know, are you like, when do you make that decision to say, okay, this replacement player, it makes sense. Like, is there a certain, X, you know, 6X value, 7X value, 8X value you're looking for? Or is there like, you know, what are you looking for in that situation? You know, I, I think the one thing that is pretty important is that every slate is different. And so, you know, prior, I was saying like pattern recognition and, and history repeating itself. But with that said, um, you know, you have to realize like there's little nuances and little differences to every slate. And, you know, like a, a similar situation can arise. And then you're like, well, in the past, it happened like this. Right. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen like that just because there's so many different variables and, you know, little nuances can change. Like one little thing can can really change the whole scope of everything. And then, um, you know, like I said, there's just so many variables like, um, you know, pricing is such a huge thing. Right. Like Mm -hmm. one if one guy is priced like differently on a slate that changes the whole slate. You know, like if there's a guy, just theoretically, if there's a guy, you know, he's priced at three thousand, right, or, yeah. or the minimum, and you know he's he's locked in for thirty minutes. I mean, 
right? I mean, that changes the whole slate, right? So, you, you know, so you're not going to have that type of situation every time, right? So, um, you know, that you always have to factor in, you know, the whole thing of, uh, you know, you walk by a roulette table and you see the red, 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 black, 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 like it, that doesn't mean shit, right? Yeah, no, yeah. You know, each, each role is its the own The next spin is the same, yeah. yeah it's going to be whatever know, it's going to be, yeah. Exactly, you know, so, um, you know, you have to, you know, factor that in. Um, with that said, the, that's not to say that, you know, there's certain things that kind of, that can, you know, skew you or not skew you in a certain direction, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, obviously, uh, if a guy is, you know, going to, you know, see increased minutes, increased usage. I mean, that it is what it is, right? So you, you know, you have to see. And you know, I heard you mention about, you know, kind of matchups and pace and things like that, right? Every matchup is different, mm-hmm. right? Every pace is, you know, uh, certain teams play faster than others. Um, you know, I mean, little. I mean, it even breaks down to like, you know, LA night. Like for example, like the LA nightlife is undefeated, right? <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? Like in a little thing, you know, if you know whatever. If one city has like a great strip club and the guys go out there, like you don't, you, I mean, you just don't know these things, right? So yeah. obviously, some things you know you can factor in, but other things you cannot. So, um, but as a kind of general, uh, just a general way to look at things, um, you know, minutes are gold, right? And so uh, you always want to try to identify. Uh, which guys are going to get the most usage or most minutes. And then from there, which guys are going to get, you know, more usage. Uh, and then you also, I mean, salary is such a huge part of the game, right? So um, in terms of like points, expectations, uh, and uh, range of outcomes is huge, right? Um, I think a lot of times uh, we don't factor in both ends of the spectrum. Right. Uh, a lot of times we're kind of like, okay, uh, he can go 4X or 5X. You know, without realizing, like, what's the downside here? What's the floor, yeah. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. what's the floor, what's the downside? And then also, um, you know, how does that kind of compare to uh, other players on the slate? And then most mm-hmm. importantly, because of this, you know, this particular part is about ownership, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, that in and of itself, like, the ownership aspect is huge, right? As yeah. When you factor the ownership with range of outcomes, um, that'll kind of lead you in certain directions, or mm-hmm. swing the pendulum one way or the other, right? Like, so obviously the higher um, the ownership on a player gets, and you know, kind of like the lower the salary gets, right? <laughs> like you, you figure like there's more people are gonna flock there just because, mm-hmm. right? You know, the minutes, whatever usage, you yeah. know, just point expectations and and things like that. So, um, yeah, I, you know, the the matrix is is always changing. Yeah. You know, and like there's fundamental, you know, some fundamental core aspects of it. Um, but yeah, you know, just every day, every day is a new slate. Yeah. So to, get, to give you guys like an example of recently, just a specific example of uh, of a recent slate. Like, so obviously the Orlando Magic had what nine players suspended or whatever in that last slate that they played. And I knew just from from, again, experience playing the slates over and over. And just watching people on Twitter, people I, I respect to know and who they're touting, you know, Bobo. I mean, 4,800 he was, I believe, on DK, uh, low salary, guy was going to be locked in for 30, 35 minutes. And I just knew that ownership was going to be sky high. Now, I don't remember exactly what he ended up with in terms of DK points. It wasn't the ceiling. It wasn't what everyone was hoping for. It wasn't like, you know... 30 points and 10 rebounds or something like that he was like he had like 14 points and like seven rebounds six rebounds something like that and at 4800 you know 
that's probably enough to to be okay. I mean, that's okay chalk, right? It's not going to like kill you. It's not going to burn you. But you know, my whole I w- I went into that slate saying, you know what, Bull Bull is going to have like 67% ownership. So I'm just going to fade Bull Bull and look for some other guys maybe on this Magic Squad that I'm going to play instead. And I think that's a, a very valid, you know, especially in GPPs, that's a very valid. Uh, way to attack that. It's a, it's a very valid strategy to use to employ uh, to try to beat the field because you're you're not playing to get the perfect score on the slate. You know, I said the same thing with, with Thunder Dan in the last strategy session. You're playing against other people. You have to know that, that's one thing I love about DFS. It's not necessarily about you can know basketball, you can know who's going to play well, you can know who's going to do well in what situation, but knowing your other players, knowing human behavior and what they're going to flock to, and know you know knowing. I think this is a really important episode because knowing a little bit, you're not going to know the exact ownership of, of a player, but you're going to know ballpark. You know, this guy's going to be higher owned than this guy. This guy's going to be, um, you know, 40 to 50% owned. You're going to know a, a range or just that this guy's going to be higher owned than another guy. So knowing that and being able to take advantage of that, I think is really important. So like another uh, situation when you were talking right there that, that I just popped in my brain was like, you know, say a, a player was injured and then the, the backup player got in and people are just looking at the box scores, right? And they're seeing, they're, they're clicking on the DK thing and looking at the game logs and they're seeing, oh, he only played 15, 18 minutes in that last game. But you look a little closer and you see he had five fouls. He was in foul trouble most of the time. That's a guy you play. Because that's everyone else is going to say, oh my gosh, he only scored 12 DK points and he played 20, you know, 18 minutes last game. Well, yeah, because he was in foul trouble. You you know the reason, and, and the reason was foul trouble, and that's the thing that the player can not necessarily he won't necessarily like you said the outcome's not always the same. He's not necessarily going to get in foul trouble again. That's an easy one to say. That's not going to happen every single time. So that's like this kind, of, and I'm this is just a fabricated situation. That's the kind of value you're looking for when you become a more experienced DFS player. Uh, am I am I right? Am I going crazy here? <laughs> no, I mean no. You're completely on point. I mean context context is everything, right? You can never take anything you know strictly from a value uh, from a, in a a vacuum perspective. Just because, like I said, there's just so many variables and so many so many nuances, and every slate changes. Just like one, you know, it's kind of like the butterfly effect, right? Like one little change here, I mean, it just affects everything, right? And you have to you know take that into consideration. Um. Uh, sorry about that. Um. Yeah, I mean. Uh, so let, let's talk about let's talk about yeah. chalk though. Let's talk about yeah. like you know. So we hear this you know we hear the term a lot chalk. If you guys aren't familiar, if you're just a new player, chalk is just you know what we're talking about now is projecting ownership. Chalk is what you know the players. You know, there's maybe two or three or four players on every slate that we know are going to have high ownership. Everyone's going to have them. They're good plays. Their price is too low. Their their situation has changed and they've you know, jumped into minutes. Whatever it is, that's the chalk. Now, at what point, you know, son, do you say, okay, this is good chalk, right? We say good chalk, bad chalk, good chalk. I'm going to eat this chalk. <laughs> Sometimes we say that. Uh, so this is the, a player I'm going to play despite the fact that he's going to be high owned. Or it's a it's bad chalk. This is a player that's gonna be high owned. I'm gonna fade this player and I'm not gonna play. I mean, I know I know it's situational, but like are there certain rules or certain things you're looking for when you say, you know, this is good chalk, this is bad chalk? Yes. I mean there's a lot of tools that I look at. Um, you know, there's like uh on off tools. I think uh Rotowire has a good on off tool. Uh you know, one of my favorite tools is you know, pay dirt DFS. Like he has like the defensive efficiency metric stuff. Like that stuff is really good. It shows like matchups and like, um, you know, 
how much above or below league average you know a certain team allows in fantasy points and things like that uh usage i mean to me usage is is the big thing right and um if you go to uh, there's another site i I forgot off the top of my head what it is but you know basically if you you know there's a bunch of sites out there that kind of show players like their historical like um like dk fantasy points per minute like that really gives like kind of a general idea of what kind of player it is right and so when you factor in all those things um i you know usually kind of gravitates more for like the higher usage type players um or the players that are able to contribute in multiple categories um you know obviously there's you know certain examples you know say like uh, you know, Dwayne Washington like type mm-hmm. of player, like he's just gonna chuck threes and things like that. Like, <laughs> um, so you know, like that type of player, like, you know, you're probably not gonna get too many rebounds, assists, you know, defensive stats, but he's gonna huck and chuck, right? And so, it's then it comes to the range of outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. Because like, there's times when he can get hot and ballistic, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, in that type of scenario, he's probably pricing the three thousand range, right? So, um, I mean, yeah, he he's done it before he's gone 10x before right mm-hmm. so uh that's like the kind of ceiling but then you also have to realize like the floor is super low right because mm-hmm. he can easily shoot one for ten <laughs> mm-hmm. right and he, he's done that too right so you know you have to factor in the range of outcomes um you know and then you know ownership right obviously the higher the ownership then it's probably easier to fade mm-hmm. the lower ownership then yeah the, you know the upside is probably worth it so that kind of risk reward ratio uh, you, you know, you really have to factor in, you know, all that stuff. So, um, but, you know, usage to me is, is pretty, uh, usually a big one. That's one that, like, I, I kind of lean towards because, obviously, a player that has the ball more, you know, in his hands has the opportunity to score fantasy goodies, whereas a guy like that's kind of like a spot-up shooter or uh, someone that's just kind of hanging on the corner, um, it, it's a little more difficult. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're just trying to skew the probabilities into your favor. I mean, that's that's all it is. Like, we, you know we don't have crystal balls we cannot identify you know what exactly a player is going to do you know all we can do is just try to ascertain as much information as possible uh and just try to skew the probabilities in our favor uh and then you know i mean we'll just tie everything to ownership right because this is you know what this pot is about right Mm -hmm. you know obviously um you know you're trying to win right Mm -hmm. and i mean you alluded this you alluded to this before the higher ownership that a player you know has like it's easier to fade because mm-hmm. um, if that player, so okay, think of it like this: like if a, if a player's you know sixty percent owned, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you use him, right, and whatever he goes ballistic, it mm-hmm. doesn't really matter because mm-hmm. you're still on the train with sixty other percent of the people. Right. And then another factor in it, uh, and this is obviously space specific, but a lot of times if you pick that particular player sometimes it kind of locks you into the same build so mm. then it's harder to differentiate later so then what's the point like how are you mm. going to win how are you going to win that way right mm. you know obviously and that this is why i was saying like you know it's a lot of time displays splits uh specific sorry mm. you know if there's if you can identify paths where you can differentiate from that chalk mm-hmm. then it's a little easier to eat the chalk but mm. when especially when it kind of like everybody's just in the same boat and then you're all then it, it it's it's pointless like what what are you doing right like yeah. how are you winning right so you know the flip side to that is um you know if you fade that player mm-hmm. uh and then you know if he if he busts or if he doesn't you know get to the expectations that you know everyone's you know you know lo- looking for mm-hmm. then 
you're kind of xing out 60 percent of the you know the player you know the pool the leaderboard right so mm-hmm. then now you just have to compete with 40 other you know percent uh and then right you know differentiation and just kind of roster construction goes into it from there um so you know in terms of like eating chalk um yeah like you know usage is so you know the lower usage guys it's, it's easier to to fade them right just because the the range of outcomes is a lot wider with those type of players um you know obviously the cheaper a player is uh the more difficult it is to fade them right because uh whichever way that it goes like it's gonna be difficult for that player like if he's like say you know three thousand whatever it's gonna be very difficult for that player to kind of hurt you <laughs> or yeah. you know like like either way right like um you know obviously like the higher price a player is um it's it's easier to kind of like go away from them right just Mm -hmm. because there's more options up there right Mm -hmm. and then in terms of like the point expectations like you know like in order for like a player to really kill you for not rostering them right it, it it's more you know it's more difficult up there yeah whereas you know a three thousand you know price player like man you know like if he smashes then you're kind of you're toast right it's hard to make that up right so there's there's you know so there's less avenues to kind of uh you know go so i guess you know price you know price is probably huge price and and usage i guess to answer your question yeah and and you know not to say that it can't go completely so like i don't want you guys to take away from this and i think what's what sun said is absolutely right i think you know i find myself fading the chalk uh, especially when it's a higher price guy more often than not, because like you said, uh, and I like your point there, son, about, you know, even if that guy smashes, you're still in the same boat with 60% of other people. If you're at a GPP, I mean, you have to get every single other thing right to, to differentiate yourself enough from those other people. And it's just, the it's a math game and your odds are just so incredibly yeah. low at that point. Whereas if you, you know, play DeMontis Sabonis instead of Jokic and Jokic, has a, a bummer, right? And everyone's playing him because they're playing OKC or, or, or somebody that's, you know, somebody that has a terrible center position in, in Charlotte. They're playing Charlotte, right? Everyone's going to play Jokic against Charlotte. And, uh, you know, maybe the Denver beats them, is, is up 40, you know, by the time the third quarter starts. And all of a sudden, Jokic is only playing 20, 22 minutes. That is a situation where, you know, obviously the people that have Sabonis are going to crush the people that have Jokic. And it's a very simple call for you. So, but I don't want you guys to take away from this. You always need to fade the chalk. That's not, you know, sometimes it happens the other way. So like, um, you know, Doncic was on the last slate and absolutely crushed it. And if you didn't have him, you were going to finish the top at all. I faded him because I said, you know what? This is the highest price guy in the slate. Everyone's going to have him. I'm going to do the thing I always do. I'm going to fade the chalk. And uh, it didn't work out. And and sometimes that happens. You just have to live with that, you know. But um, but I think it is a smart thing just mathematically and giving yourself the highest probability of winning to mostly, most times, nine out of ten times, I would say, fade the chalk. Like Giannis the day before was also chalk, but I ate that chalk because I said, you know what, I don't see anyone else on this in the top, you know, 10,000 to 12,000 range that's going to give me what Giannis is going to give me here. So I'm going to play it. That worked out for me. I ate the chalk, and it was a good thing to do. I won money that night. So, uh, you know, there's no cut and dry, always fade the chalk type thing we're saying here. That's not going to happen. But I think most times it makes a lot of sense to go ahead and fade it. So I, I agree with you on that one there. Yeah. So can I yeah, can I interject one step? Yeah. There's there's no cookie cutter answer here, right? Um, there's just so many variables that you have to you know incorporate, and you know, I mean, I 
I keep harping on this, but it's it's the truth. You know, every slate is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you just have to approach it that way. Uh, there was one thing while you while you were talking that I was I was kind of thinking about. Um, you know, like oh, now I lost I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I lost I forgot what I was gonna say, but. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll get back to it. I'll get back. It's to probably it. gonna win us all money. Now, now we don't know, so it's okay. <laughs> I understand. Nah. Happens all the time. <laughs> uh, but no, let me. So t- let's talk about you. Let's let's talk about what your you know player profile kind of looks like. You know, what do you find yourself playing more these days? Are you playing more single entries, more multi entries, GPPs, cash games? Like, what are you into these days? I mean, you know, do you have the time to look at 150 different lineups? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't do multi. Um, <laughs> I probably stick to more single entry and then, you know, once in a while I'll dabble into like, you know, GPP just for, you know, shits and giggles. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I like, I like staying with single entry. Like I'm not a huge high volume guy. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you know, I'm not like, you know, cleaning the streets out there, things like that. But, uh, you know, I do like to play. Oh, all right. So, I, you know, I, I kind of do remember, uh, mm-hmm. what I, what I was saying before. It's like, um, it is with that knowledge. Yeah. Like, um yeah like there's no cookie cutter answer right mm-hmm. but at the same time i think one thing that i see a lot of people uh, having difficulties with is that like they end up chasing their tails right so like they'll be like well all right i'm gonna fade this guy here oh it didn't work okay so i'm gonna play the chalk here you know <laughs> and they just keep yeah. chasing their tails and right. like i think you know like you have to have a you have to figure out your emotional temperament and mm-hmm. your phil- like your philosophical uh, viewpoint on DFS, mm-hmm. right? Because everybody everybody has a different perspective, right? And some people have a different risk risk profile than other people. Mm-hmm. They have a different psychological profile. Like some people are, you know, like for me personally, like it's not about uh, winning every slate, mm-hmm. right? And for me, you know, it's I mean I. I come from a trading background, so like you know, I, I traded you know my my own account for a long time. I started off as a market maker, and so like I paid a lot of tuition in trading, and so like I kind of know like the emotional like all that stuff, right? The mm-hmm. risk management, all that stuff. But you know, what what I finally ended up you know coming to was um, it's not about trying to win every single time like every mm-hmm. time you put on a trade every time you play slate it's not about trying to win every time it's about trying to maximize those times that you win mm-hmm. right and like because you're gonna lose right there's mm-hmm. mathematically it's impossible to win all the time so mm-hmm. um you know when you win like you want to be able to hit it big when you win and this is why like factoring in ownership is, is huge right because you know as we said before like if you're on the same guys with you know everybody else like what's the point yeah. <laughs> like you're not gonna win like yeah yeah like like okay like yeah oh I, you know I, whatever i scored a lot of points it, it, it really honestly it it doesn't matter how many points you score no, it, it's, no. you know how many more points that you score than everybody else exactly right? and like you know a lot of times like on twitter like you'll see like i can't believe you know i put up whatever 250 points or whatever and you know i barely <laughs> min cash or something like that yeah. but that goes back to every slate is different Right. Mm-hmm. Like it, so it doesn't matter what the raw points are. What matters is, you know, how many more points than anybody else, you, you know, use it. So, you know, back to ownership, like, you know, you want to skew the probabilities into your favor to try to to hit it. Right. Because, you know, when you do like when you're 
two percent guy hits like like there's been so many times where if you just look because i'm sure everybody looks at projections right if you just look at projections like you know obviously it's you know usually like showing the medium you know some play, some sites help show like range of outcomes like there's ceiling their floor things like that but a lot of times like it would just be kind of like in the middle right and um you know back to your example of like a team playing charlotte right most people are going to flock there like joe gets to charlotte but sometimes if you look at like even projections like you know the guy right below like he's projected for you know like one point less but he has like you know he's you know two percent projected ownership like you know, maybe like he's going against Cleveland, right? The mm-hmm. pace is slow. They're one of the best defensive teams, you know, right? But you're like, man, you know, I mean, what if he hits, right? Mm-hmm. What if Jokic doesn't, right? Then, man, you're ahead of everybody that played Jokic, and now you're only competing with two other two percent other. Mm-hmm. So your odds of winning are just have just you know skyrocketed right there. Exactly. So you just yeah. want to give yourself the best chance you know, uh, to win. And my biggest hit the season actually, uh, and, uh, it wasn't a lot. I mean, I was like, well, I ended up like 14th out of like, Oh gosh, I think it was like 14,000 or something like that. 15,000. So, you know, it was good. pretty good. That's yeah. Nice. It's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. It's, nice. it's a really big field. Uh, pretty good, pretty nice takedown. Uh, you know, I was hoping for a little bit more, but unfortunately Dennis Schroeder got fouled out in the fourth quarter. <laughs> jerk. Uh, Dennis but yeah, he was a menace that night, but that's okay though. I, you know, still a pretty good takeaway. And uh, but but the, but the, what worked out for me in that situation was, I can't remember who it was, but there was a value center on the slate that everybody had, and I had Jokic, and it was FanDuel, so you know it's one of those. And I actually, let me go ahead and back up here and okay. just say, I actually enjoy, I actually enjoy FanDuel more than I enjoy DraftKings because it does limit you a little bit, and that actually helps me because you know. Okay. It helps me say that, you know, I want to play this center instead of this center. Yeah. Like, that that's a specific one that you can use on FanDuel. You know, hey, everyone's going to have this center. I'm going to have this center. And I can't remember right. who the value center was that night. But I think it might have been Nas Reed, actually. It might have yeah. been Nas Reed, and he got hurt. Yeah, he got hurt. It was against the Bulls, I believe, actually. Yeah, right. he got hurt. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so he got hurt, and everyone had, like, I, I don't know, something crazy. Like, 60 70% of the field had Nas Reed. Jokic was, like, five percent owned or something yeah, like that. It's crazy. Ridiculous. And this is a you know MVP, Jokic. Yeah. And that's because yeah. everybody and it's FanDuel, so you have to play a center. You can only play one center. And so if you wanted to play Nas Reed, you could not play Jokic. And so that worked out for me. And that was exactly why, you know, not to say that I came into that site saying, you know, Nas Reed's gonna get hurt. I came into that site saying, you know what, everyone's gonna have Nas Reed. He's playing my Bulls. I don't want to play him anyways, because you know what, that's just me. I don't want to play guys going against my team usually. Uh, but also, you know, it, I don't know if I trust Nas Reed. You know, maybe Nas Reed uh, gets in foul trouble. Maybe Nas Reed doesn't, you know, play so hot. You know, I, I don't know what it is. But uh, and it's funny because that was actually really unique because I actually stacked that game elsewhere on that slate. Uh, I believe, because that was the, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the, and the Bulls. And so I stacked like Anthony Edwards and DeMar DeRozan and some other guys in there as well. Uh, I couldn't have had all the ball in there with Jokic, but you know what I mean? I stacked that game uh, pretty heavily and it worked out for me. But like that was the one thing that 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 led to the win was that, you know, everyone had Nasreed. I had Jokic and it was just like I crushed it because Jokic had like a 70.9 or something like that. He yeah. had a really good like matchup that night too, if I remember correctly. It was a team that was not good against the center position. So it surprised yeah. me. So no, well. definitely. So, you know, that's exactly what you want to look for. And, uh, you know, the thing about, I think, DFS and, 
you know, a lot of times, like, <laughs> we as human beings, like, we we get this, like, sense of hubris sometimes where we think we know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We don't. We, we cannot freaking predict mm-hmm. the future, right? And so that's why, you know, range of outcomes is huge, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, like, okay, so we'll go back to your Nasrid example, right? Okay, Nasrid, great spot, whatever, he's cheap, you know, 60%, you know, whatever, ownership. You know, like you said, he could get in foul trouble. He could mm-hmm. tweak an ankle, right? Mm-hmm. He oh, could, yeah. you know, he could have had some bad, you know, Chick-fil-A. Right? His stomach might be like, <laughs> you no, never know. He, he, yeah. like, there's just so many different ways. Like, we just don't know. Like, so many things can happen, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the team bus can be late. I mean, whatever. It could be anything. It doesn't really matter, right? It's just, you know, the, the hubris that we have sometimes in thinking that we know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. like, in a way, it's actually good that it's out there because then it's something that you can exploit. Like, exactly. for example, like, you know, back to like, you know, markets and things like that. Like, you know, my buddy gave me a book long, long, long time ago, early on in my career. And it's like the efficient market hypothesis. Right. And so basically the basic premise of it is like there's all this information out there and every market participant, because all the information is out there, um, they're going to trade on that information the same so because of that because if everything is transparent blah 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 the market will be efficient right because everybody will have the values you know whatever completely or you know like it'll just end up trading to a point where there's kind of like some sort of equilibrium right mm-hmm. unfortunately it doesn't work like that <laughs> right <laughs> because everybody has different perspectives everybody has different ideas of what's going to happen right different expectations just there's just so much differences out there. And then, um, you know, it goes to the point of like, you know, sometimes there's people that truly believe, you know, 100 percent willing to mortgage the house that, you know, X is going to happen. But on the flip side. Right. There's all these people that that are afraid in that and they think the other way. And they right. So, you know, it's just, you know, the, the hubris of human human beings. Right. Is, uh, you know, is. It, it, it's a force it's a force but it, it's it's one that you know allows uh especially in dfs uh, allows for an edge right allows yeah. for like ex- exploitation right yeah you have to yes yes absolutely you have to understand human behavior you have to exploit that i think that's a really important thing especially with these gpps we're talking about here but i mean that's that's the reason i don't do you know uh and i still do wagering if you guys don't have the wager pass go get it sportitos i'm killing it this year by the way i i have to do the units nice. i was up i was up almost 10 units i don't know what i am now it's got to be a little bit more but anyways uh back to my point here uh so yeah when we were talking about like wagering i was doing you know trying to uh gauge my my confidence level in a play and i was doing one unit bets two unit bets three unit bets and i was saying you know oh man and then i turned out to miss so many freaking three unit bets and this was like two years ago i think it was that i just said you know what everything from now on is just a unit bet because as much as you feel like something is bound to happen it's the more it's almost like the, it's it's a fallacy it's like the more confident you are about something i, w- I won't say that i'm not going to say the more confident you're about something the more likely it's to, it is to not happen that's just that's just not true there's right. nothing nothing that you feel is changing <laughs> something else that's happening in the world that's well, you could not, have that power you may have well maybe i do maybe right? maybe i have the reverse <laughs> power of what i want to happen i bet more money on something so it doesn't happen that would suck <laughs> that would be a terrible that's like the reverse midas touch or something <laughs> uh but no so but i i keep everything one unit because of this, the same thing you're saying though like even though i feel extremely confident about something 
there's no guarantee that's going to happen. I mean, there's so many, uh, like I said, factors that happen. Like, you know, I thought Joel Embiid was going to have a good night tonight. You know, no, no James Harden. No, uh, they're playing against uh, who was it? They're playing tonight. I think it was OKC. OKC. And I'm like, you know what? Joel Embiid's going to have a fantastic night. I'm so sure of this. I'm putting him in all my DFS lineups. And nope, he crapped the bed, man. He just like couldn't finish a layup. I don't know. This guy. I think the monsters came down and took his, his powers, man, because he's just <laughs> not play basketball. But uh, it's just it happens, man. And you know, in basketball. It is one of the sports. I mean, actually, you know what? Let me ask you some because you yeah. play multiple sports. So, right. is basketball more predictable than baseball, football? You know, the other, hockey. I mean, I don't know which other sports you play. Yeah, no. Obviously, you know, it has the least amount of variance, and like it, it is the most predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not to say that you can predict, you know, outcomes, especially in short sample sizes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's. Because there's more possessions and there's, you know, whatever, like just the, the basic structure of the game mm-hmm. allows for the data sets to be, you know, I guess more, what's what's the word? Um, not predictable, but like, like you can feel more confident in mm-hmm. them to some mm-hmm. degree. But, you know, I mean, anything can happen on one game, right? Mm-hmm. Anything can happen in one quarter, right? So like... You know, if a player's career, like, you know, whatever, Jonas's career average is, I, I don't even know, I'm just about 28 points and 12 mm-hmm. rebounds, whatever. He's done that for sample size of, you know, hundreds of games, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, more than likely, right? <laughs> He's going to yeah. end up close <laughs> to that, right? Mm-hmm. But on one single game, right, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't it really doesn't matter. Like, so, you know, all that does is it kind of gives you an idea mm-hmm. and like a range of where you can kind of expect things to happen, but you know, like, like you just don't know, right? Like somebody in front the front court could spill some liquid and right, he slips, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. like you know, just random stuff can happen in you know one game. So, um, yeah, like so, you know, and and I guess that's one way to kind of get an edge too, right? Because everybody thinks that basketball is is predictable, mm-hmm. and you know, it out of all the sports, it is, mm-hmm. right? It has the least amount of variance. But that doesn't mean that variance doesn't exist, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's that's an issue, especially like sometimes people like I see them on on Twitter when they start tilting their faces off, you know, they're like, <laughs> oh, how did this happen? How is Give it possible? Team. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like honestly, the craziest thing to me is when like a dude gets injured and these people are like, you know, they want to sue fit. Yeah, yeah, they want to start <laughs> suing FanDuel and DraftKings. Like that's the craziest thing to me. You know, it's just crazy, right? Stuff happens. But, but you know, <laughs> you like, <get> over it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, that's part of the game, right? Yeah. But I think, I think part of it too is because people think that you know, like, basketball is so predictable, right? That if it doesn't happen the way that they expect it to happen, then then something is is amiss. Yeah. But it's that, that's not the case. It's just you know, hey, <laughs> anything can happen, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's yeah. crazy. It's true, and that's I mean, that's you know, if you're betting on any, you know, we call it DFS. It's DFS has done such a smart job of being like. No, we're daily fantasy sports. We're not betting. It's betting. You're, what you're doing yeah. is you're betting. You're trying to guess at the outcome of the game or, or out, specific outcomes of different players. Yeah. And when you're betting, I mean, like you said, it, it, there's variance. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. You, you think someone's going to get – they could put it – I see you, you see his promos, right? It's like uh, Giannis will score one point. I mean, like you said, maybe he slips and falls on the first play of the game. He doesn't score one point, and then you just get screwed on that promo. I guarantee yeah. you that company – didn't put that thing on the floor to, to make him slip and hurt himself. It's just, 
it's just life. Life just ha- it things happen, and you can't necessarily. There's nothing's 100. percent Nothing it's, is 100. percent I think the best uh, analogy is poker. Uh, there's just so many similarities between DFS and poker, and I think there's a reason why a lot of the the poker dudes that were killing it are it's killing it in DFS, right? Uh, so I was poker too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me. But yeah. you know, like you get pocket aces. Similar. Yeah. It's yeah. Right. You get pocket aces, and the probabilities of you winning, you know, are, are very high. But then, right, when you know the flop comes out, then things change, right? I get told to be, yeah, <laughs> I mean, they can change for the better or for the worse. But even then, right? I mean, obviously, if the flop comes a say something, then yeah, you got the nuts, right? Right. Right. So then, you know, hundred percent. But more often than not, like, yeah, the probabilities may go up or down, but they're still, you know, dependent on the cards, right? There could be some. You know, dude, you know, needs a one out or a two out or whatever, and then he can beat you, right? And then, mm-hmm. you know, the turn comes, the river comes, right? So, I mean, that's that's similar to DFS, right? Like, if you, you know, I mean, we'll go back to the the value example, right? If the guy's three thousand bucks, whatever, and uh, he's projected to play thirty five minutes, and you know, he's a you know, you know, pretty decent usage player, right? Twenty two percent usage, whatever. The probabilities of him smashing and probably going ten x are very high. Right, right. It's very high, but that doesn't mean that he's gonna score 30 DK fantasy points, right? He can score 15, right? It's it's well within range of outcomes. Like anything can happen. So, yeah. I know we're talking about projecting ownership, but you just made me think about something. So when you're playing poker, let's go. When, yeah, let's just take it all over. <laughs> well, when you think when you're talking about when, when you're talking about poker, and you know, probably back to my so shout out to the uh, uh, Grand Victoria Casino boat in Elgin, Illinois. My uh, my my learning ground, my little play area for nice. about two or three years. I used to go there okay. every weekend uh, okay. and spend all weekend there in the poker room because I just what, what, what game did you play? Uh, hold them. I played hold them. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I played Hold'em, and I would sometimes play Roulette, but Roulette, I mean, there's no strategy there. You just yeah, yeah. you just throw away your money, basically. But, uh, but anyways, no. Uh, but yeah, it, um, so when you're playing poker and you're a somewhat skilled, I'm not gonna call myself. I was never a professional poker player. I never like made my living. You know, I I, I end up winning some money some weekends. Some weekends I lost it. It was a fun thing for me to do. It was a good way to pass my time. I was never. I was not even semi-professional, so I wasn't a great poker player, but. Uh, but one of the things you do learn when you become a certain skill level is that when you're sitting at a table, you want to find the fish at the table. You want to take their stack. So you want to find the guy that you are very sure that you know more about the game of poker than they do. And that doesn't mean that you have the best cards. That does not mean that at all. That right. just means that you know how they're going to act. Right. You know how they're going to act to how you act. And that's how you make your money uh reliably in the game of poker is knowing you know hey this guy is uh every time someone raised three you know three raises them they fold right right. i have nothing in my hand i'm in one-on-one with this guy what am i gonna do am i gonna fold am i gonna check no i'm gonna three raise him because i i'm taking down this pot pretty much guaranteed um so and that's an extreme example obviously obviously no one is that bad well some people are that bad at poker but (laughs) hopefully no one's that bad at poker that's putting actual money on it uh but anyways you know that's the kind of thing so if you're talking about you know transiting as dfs it's the same kind of thing you know and when i talked to greg uh ehrenberg in the first strategy session he was saying you want to try to get into these tournaments that are lower stakes because there are more newer players easier players so if you're struggling out there and you're on a losing streak and you're just not doing so hot you know that's something to consider is try to get in those pools with players that maybe have a little less skill than other players do um that is something to think about because 
in the end, we, we've been saying it this whole episode, but in the end, it is you against other people. It's just you, you want to be better than the other people at this game we're playing. It doesn't have to be you against, you know, you don't have to get the perfect lineup. You don't have to get, you know, this guy, that guy. It, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be the best basketball knowledge person in the world. You don't even have to watch basketball. You just have to understand a little bit of what you're doing and be better than the other people in the room. So yeah, I think no, that's, that's – yeah, go ahead. That, yeah. No, definitely. Um you know, I think Greg, you know, Greg's very sharp. Um, you know, he does he does really good work. So, uh, yeah, no, he's you know everyone you know should probably you know follow him and, and listen to him. I think uh, you know there's some I think some basics that kind of permeate through most things that have to do with gambling, right? Yeah. Um, and I think the biggest one is uh, you know bankroll management. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people really get uh, get messed up with that. Right. Especially when they get on tilt and, you know, get really emotional. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I, I just think that, uh, you know, ego, right. Ego plays a huge part uh, in, in what we do. And sometimes it's uh, it's a detriment. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it, it makes you sometimes it, it gets you to do certain things that you don't want to do. And mm-hmm. then. Right. And sometimes it, it kind of clouds you from certain things that you need to see. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, you know, bankroll management, you know, there's. Most people do talk about this, which is good, right? But I think you just have to harp on it. Like, um, I mean, you just you just have to have a plan, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just be like, all right, this is my plan. This is how much I'm going to set aside, and then just just stick to it, right? And like, don't get on tilt and try to chase stuff or or whatnot. Yeah. And um, you know, like I'm sure you did those poker, right? Like, you build a stack, you know, uh, and then you know you're not gonna I'm not gonna move up levels until I reach a certain goal, right? Mm-hmm. And then, but you know, if you read most of like you know the guys that like you know made it through the ladder or whatever when they hit a down streak right they they go down to the game mm-hmm. right so if they go up to 510 you know they're going to go down to 1 2 right mm-hmm. build up their stack again right and mm-hmm. so you know not only does it you know save your money but then it also kind of like forces you to focus again right to, mm-hmm. to kind of mm-hmm. grind so um you know bankroll cuz you know a chip in a chair right like if you don't have a chair if you don't have a chip like you're out of the game right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know Got to be in the goal, game to win it. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Like the the first goal is, you know, survival. Mm-hmm. Right? You want to survive, and then you know after that, then you can kind of see where you can go. And it's like, um, you know, like back to trading. Sorry, it's just such a big no. part of my life, you know. But yeah. like the analogy is, uh, uh, you know, before I would put on a trade, and I would just think of just like the glory, the upside, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then after a while, like. I realize, uh, like that stuff will come, right? But mm-hmm. what's more important is, you know, survival. So, like, anytime I put on a trade, like I know exactly where I'm getting out. I know mm-hmm. my downside, and then, you know, not only, and and it's not just the monetary aspect of it, but it's also the emotional capital, right? Because a lot of times, like, you know, if you hold on to a loser, like it mm-hmm. just affects you, right? And then mm-hmm. it, and then you cannot concentrate on your next trade. So, it, I mean, it's right. a very applicable to DFS, right? Like, you keep losing, right? DFS, slate after slate after slate, and then you start putting more money, blah, 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 right? And then it just really affects you emotionally, and you're not able to think clearly and objectively, right? So then a lot of times, like, you know, you just got to step up, play the dollar game, play whatever, quarter game, whatever. You have to step down and just kind of refocus and, 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 and do that. So um, another thing I was kind of thinking was, like, you know, game selection. Game selection is huge, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, alluding to what Greg was saying, like, yeah, you, I mean, 
you don't want to play against Phil Ivy. Like you don't want to play, <laughs> yeah, right? right? You want to play against you want to play against the guys that that aren't as good, right? But I think past that though, um, there's so many different contests out there that like, and this goes back to like kind of figuring out you, you as like a DK player, you as whatever, a gambler, whatever, whatever it may be, right? But like you know, you have to figure out your risk profile, your emotional standing, right? And yeah. are you gonna be because Playing single entry versus mass multi-entering, they're two different animals, it requ- right? It requires different stuff, different perspectives, just different emotional. Uh, just, you know, there's, you know, so you have to figure out, you know, what your vision is and what your kind of makeup is and then go from there, right? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, I don't know. I, I, are you familiar with Jordan Cooper? And, no, I'm not. Okay, so, I mean, I think he's, I think he's really good. Um you know, theory of DFS and like, you know, he, you know, he's really good with, you know, just breaking things down um, and not just ownership and just gamemanship. You know, he used to play poker too, I guess. Mm. Uh, but, um, you know, contest selection, like all that stuff is, is very important. Um, and, you know, I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to do what other people are doing, right? Mm-hmm. Like do what like you're comfortable with, right? Like, you know, playing a three man or whatever, a ten man, like, okay, like, or play double up. I mean, if that's, you know, where you're, so, so basically, like, you have to, you know, you have to do stuff, right? You have to, you know, like, just play in these contests and then see, you know, what you're doing, how you're doing, where you feel most comfortable, where you're most successful, right? And then from there, then you can kind of like hone on, hone in, and then just focus on that, right? Um, you know, one yeah. thing that like I, I hear and I read from like. Because, you know, I'm far from, like, a, a top player or expert in anything like that. But, like, you know, I definitely try to read and, and listen to, like, people that are, you know, just, you know, killing it, right? But, um, you know, like, simple thing, I think, like, just any contest that you're in, like, like you want to see what the top players are doing, right? Mm-hmm. So every slate, like, look look what they're doing, right? Like, and then just break down, like, try to reverse engineer the lineups. Like, why yeah. are they, you know, like, why are they yeah. doing this? Why did they pick this guy? Why did they do this? And then... You know, then it it'll allow you to kind of think deeper into it because sometimes like you'll see the lineup, but then there's more context to it, right? So you have to try to look for the context, right? And then, so you know, there's just, it, I mean, this DFS is such a great game, right? Just because there's so <laughs> many, right? There's so many rabbit holes you can go down, and there's so many you know different nuances and um, just you know it's just it's never the same right it's always different which is which is fun right that's part of the challenge right i'm trying to think um, yeah, yeah. No, I, the other thing I, you, while you're talking about that i was actually thinking about because i love <clears throat> i love games like this so i love poker i love stuff yeah. like that I mean, this is likewise this all falls yeah this all falls in the same same category definitely but i recently uh i think it was maybe about two years ago i started my journey here uh to become the chess champion of the world uh no just chess just i nice. just try to learn chess i tried yeah i've been playing a little bit chess. too yeah I, I suck but yeah i've been playing but it's the same thing what you're talking about. What, you, what made me think about that was, you know, you're talking about, you know, you want to reverse engineer why these people made these choices. And that's the same thing. You you, you study chess endgames. You study those. You try to understand how we got here, how to go from here to where you want to go. Um, but, yeah, I mean, these are the top players you're studying. They're, you know, 
before the internet existed, these there were books with you know these things printed, and I'm sure you all saw that uh, that Netflix series uh, with uh, about chess. But I can't remember the name of it now. The Queen's Gambit. Queen's, Queen's Gambit. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know she's looking at these books and reading these books, and they're trying to put these on the board and study these things. And these are top players, and like you said, you you want to study what the top players are doing. Uh, you know their openings, their endings, their their mid you know middle games. You know all this stuff to understand. You know how they're getting from the the, the point you want to the point we're starting to where you want to go, which is defeating. The top players you want to be you want to be the one of those top players so yeah. uh so i really like that point that you made though um i think it's a very similar thing you know um and not just that but like also st- i think for me personally because like you know I, i'm a i'm a big uh overwatch player too and i don't think you touched right. this before on your podcast but uh i, I reached master's level which is not nice it's not grandmasters but it's <laughs> it's right below yeah. you know it's not not the professionals i'm right below, you know maybe if i was like younger and a little bit faster with my fingers i could have been semi-pro or something but but no um but you know as i'm playing this game uh and, and studying these things you know it's the same thing, you know. It, it, you want to study. Uh, I used to watch uh, Owl uh, Overwatch League, which is on ESPN, right? They, okay. they, they have these professionals playing, I, and I would study what these guys were doing and the stuff that the stuff that I was missing. But the, as I'm studying this, also, I'm thinking, how can I subvert this? If I know, if I'm playing, because like once you get to that next <laughs> level, playing top players, now all of a sudden you know what they're doing. And so how do you go again? Because, again, this is against – it's going against the grain. That's what you want to do, especially when it's like – you know, we're talking about DFS. It's a large – I know we've kind of gotten off topic here a little bit. But DFS, it's a large field DPP or something like that. There's a lot of people in this. You want to go against that grain. So, like, you know, even when a strategy works or or a certain thing makes sense, you can understand it. You have to understand, you know, how do I – how do I subvert how for me I play I was a Lucio main in Overwatch mm-hmm. so I used to watch these Lucio mains play the play this game I said yeah. I like how they play this game I and they're all playing the same way though so how do I play it a little bit differently and you know I think that helped me and I'm not playing against top level but I'm playing against other people and I'm playing against still pretty still skilled players at the level I was playing at and so how's that you know how do I play a little differently that they've never seen this type of Lucio before. They've seen this Lucio, they've seen that Lucio, but they've never seen this type of Lucio. And that's the same thing with DFS. How do I be this type of DFS player so that no one's, you know, no one right now is playing this way and I'm playing this way. And that's why I'm able to take down these GPPs or, or what, what have you. So, yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, I, I, I love, you know, when we just talk and just go off on different ways. I love that, you know, and, you know, that's when like, you know, just everything just flows. Um, but like the I don't know, to me the, like the universe connects right like some you know things that you can learn from one aspect of life is c- completely applicable to other aspects right and it just you know just everything just connects and like you know utilize all that information right because it, it can be very valuable um you know back to your chess example uh, you know it's funny I was talking to my buddy I've been pl- I play with them all the time and you know like I, said, I suck but you know like <laughs> so I, I, okay. I've definitely gotten learn yeah yeah no I've definitely gotten better and like um you know, there's things like, you know, pattern recognition, right? Like, you know, he does a move enough. I realize it. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Right. Like, you know, he always catches me with this. So then, you know, now I start seeing it. Right. Mm -hmm. But one, you know, one insightful thing that he said today, actually, I talked to him earlier was that, um, you know, he was like, yeah, like your middle to end game is getting better. Right. Um, And, you know, we're just kind of, you know, talking about it and thinking about it. And I was like, well, maybe it's because like, a lot of the pieces are gone and so like things for me like it's it's more clear like so I, i'm able to see things easier right. just like there's less noise mm-hmm. whereas for him 
he's better in the beginning game because maybe he he likes the chaos he likes all that stuff and like he's able to see through all that stuff and like it, you know it goes back to like everybody being different right mm-hmm. every you know context. recognize your strengths exactly yeah. like, recognize your strengths right recognize your weaknesses right mm-hmm. and then go from there like for example like yeah like if you don't have the gpp mindset don't be putting on 150 yeah. laps right? don't do it man <laughs> you know or, yeah or like you know if you can't, yeah if you don't like playing just one lineup you don't like single entry whatever like yeah don't do it why why are you doing it right mm-hmm. so um yeah, yeah man, i love it I, everything <laughs> everything <laughs> understand something about yourself no i like it that's a good point though for us to end this session here i hope you guys enjoyed it man that was our strategy session number three we were talking about the projecting ownership and then maybe just some other chaos at the end but it was <laughs> it was all good man yeah so, okay. sorry sorry for, sorry for taking your call uh, off the rails man i apologize no no you're fine man it was always every time you get something like that you know it's a good conversation but it was a pleasure man it always is a pleasure anytime we talk it always it's always mind opening for me so I always appreciate your time, man. I appreciate you coming on with us. I'm I'm humbled and honored. Um, and you know, like keep doing your good work, man. You're doing good stuff. So appreciate it, man. And, and hey, where can people find your work, man? Speaking of work, um, I know they can find you on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? All that good stuff. Uh, Twitter handle Stan underscore Sun. Uh, so you know, I'm the lead guy over at Rasball. So I do the recaps on Mondays or some for the Sunday night games, and then you know, edit all the other work. Uh, I write, you know, content for DraftKings, uh, basketball and football, uh, and then I'm writing basketball content for the Athletic. So yeah, check out all, all those things. Which is awesome, man. I'm, I'm, that's awesome that you're, uh, you know, contributing to Athletic. I love everything the Athletic does. But anyways, I am Keith Cork. You can find me on Twitter at, at BSPP Keith. We're gonna do some more of these guys. We're gonna have hopefully about six, seven, eight of these strategy sessions with some other other people here, and just have a series just you can listen to if you're a new player, intermediate player. Uh, expert level player. Hopefully you can take something away from this, guys. But uh, until next time, go get that money. Get that money, Keith. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Appreciate it. Later.